this idea of your self-cleaning oven body and the self-cleaning oven is broken. Your cells are crusty. They don't work as well. And they store the fat. Every time I tell it, I can see the people resonate. It's like, oh. And again, it's taking a hard concept, putting it into really simple terms to kind of tweak their interest. And then they all come back. They want to talk about it a little bit more, which is so funny because this is exactly what I did for 20 years with 12 year olds. Introduce a concept, tweak their interest so that they come back wanting more. That's the key to teaching science. That's the key to having students want to learn science and get excited. And now I'm doing the same thing. I'm Ben Grenell, part of the growing team here at Levels. We're a venture funded startup backed by more than a thousand of our community members and some of the best VCs in the game, including Andreessen Horowitz. On this podcast, we talk about everything we do. We share the learnings about our culture and what we're building along the way. This is Inside the Company. Charlotte Plinicky spent the early days of her career in tech, Eventually, that led her to become a science educator. She spent more than 20 years doing that. And once she retired, she had this idea for Project Beach House. It was this idea where she would go live in a smaller place near the beach and she would take things every day that she loved doing, like tennis, playing it on a regular basis. The idea was health, wellness, and a lot of physical activity. Well, Charlotte, as a science educator, she had this lens on things like nutrition. She knew or thought she knew what was good for her body, what would be good for her own health. But it wasn't until a doctor's visit that set off a little bit of a flag for her. One day she visited her doctor and she continuously saw her glucose levels going up and up. It was 110 and that was somewhat of the flag where she said, hey, not super comfortable with what my doctor's telling me. Not super comfortable that it's okay or anecdotally okay that it's going up and eventually she'll be put on metformin. That didn't sit too well. Serendipitously around the same time, she saw Kelly Levesque talking about glucose, specifically CGMs and levels. And so she decided to explore it further. Well, Next thing you know, a week later, she had a CGM on her arm and she was actively engaged in using levels. This was very much during our beta phase. She was an early beta member. Well, she kept with using a CGM and over time, she started to stabilize all of these different levels, things like her fasting insulin. She was able to drop it down. Things like her fasting glucose. She was able to drop it down. Her biomarkers got healthier. Her doctor saw what was happening and she saw these changes too. Physically, she felt better. Physically, she looked better. That led her to lose over eight inches on her waistline. And it was something that at the age of 64, she didn't even know was possible. But all of these things where she thought, hey, I've been healthy my whole life. Well, now through biometric data, through things like CGM and levels, she was able to drastically change the way that she feels every day. Now she plays tennis five days a week. She feels great. And it's even inspiring her to think about what she wants to do next. She feels like she's got one more swing at the bat as far as a career goes. Anyway, no need to wait. Here's a conversation with Charlotte. Truly appreciate you taking the time to do this. Well, thank you. It really is good to be here because I think the stories 
you know, if you follow the Instagram stories and you see the little clips and you see what people are doing, it's very exciting, but it's a much larger journey. And I, I can see where you have to be a little bit brave to do this. And, and it's easy for me to see how people would want to take the button off because it's a little scary to see inside and the journey gets tough. My journey was a super tough one. And I think it's helpful for people to know that's, that's there. I, I literally expected to put, to put the button on and see all good things. It was really a shock to me to realize there were some not good things happening inside. So it's, it's a lot of awareness. It's a lot of acceptance. There's some fear involved. Um, and it is a journey with a capital J. Yeah, it's the, the interesting thing is that when you use that lens, like the heuristic of, I think we, we all will have some sense of confirmation bias. It's like if you ask people, like, are you great at something? And people might say yes. And it's like, if we're objective, it's like, well, we're all at the mean. Like we should be like, that's why there's a thing called the mean because we're all sort of there. But it's really easy. Like, do you eat healthy or do you think you eat the right things? And if you ask a population of people that do focus on nutrition or health and wellness and they say yes, but maybe they haven't had a look inside as far as like having some biometric feedback to be like, here's data that showed me exactly what was happening happening because of my lifestyle choices, because of my genetic makeup, because of my stage of life. Keep going. There's all these confounding variables, right? But anecdotally, people might say like, yeah, I eat healthy, but they don't realize like these little things that they do, these lifestyle habits of let's just, let's make one up that is, um, I eat healthy every day and they're eat, like a person's eating a salad and they're eating it with a salad dressing that might be filled with sugar, um, seed oils, like just things that are objectively not great for you. And you do that over time and they're like, oh, I hadn't had no idea that was like actually doing that for me. So it's like finding all of the, as you mentioned, like when you start to see that data in front of you, it makes such a difference as far as you go, wow, I didn't realize that. And then you can start to adapt and that that becomes a personal decision. Like, do I want to go to bed earlier because I now have data that shows me that, like <laughs> when I don't hear the implications of it. So it's, yeah, it's really interesting to hear how we should dive into all these different things about your journey with CGM and levels. But more importantly, why don't we take it all the way back to you were a science educator. We know that. And give us some context for who is Charlotte Plinicky and how did you get to where you are right now? And then we'll dive into CGM and all the great things. Well, I wasn't always a science educator. I was always interested in science. So I came to California in the 80s to watch the migration of the gray whales and immediately got caught up in the excitement of the dot-com boom. So I relate to your feelings of being in the middle of a startup. I worked for Digital Research, who is the first creator of the first operating system, CPM. So we started in Garage and, and got very big very fast. Um, so I kind of got stuck there because it was exciting and there was all kinds of international travel and really liked it. But the, the pull of science was large. So after I had my 
kids. I stayed home with them. And then I really thought, do I want to go back to that? And the answer was no. I wanted, I want to be where they are. So I went back and got my teaching credential and um, got the science um, add-on, which the state of California was so happy to have, and started teaching and loved it. And it hit all the buttons for me because now um, I get to read science, learn more things in my free time, and then spread the word to these middle schoolers. So that's how I ended up as, as being a science teacher. And it's interesting because it's come full circle because a part of me always thought I was meant to do more than, than teach science. And now I realize my 20 plus years of taking really hard science concepts and distilling them down so that a middle schooler can not only understand it, but get excited about their body systems and how they work has totally primed the pump for spreading the, the news about levels because you can, you can talk to people about, about autophagy or mitophagy and you're going to lose them. They sarcopenia, they don't know what, what you're saying and, and it's intimidating and it's confusing. And now I'm using my writing. I'm using my skill to transfer these um, concepts into helping people understand their metabolic health and in walks levels. Yeah. <laughs> Such a good Interesting. story. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so cool because I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head where I think in general, people, let, let's like be very colloquial about it. People have heard of this thing called like metabolism in general. Like people are sort of like, I know that there's this like, thing I should understand a little bit that's called my metabolism and it changes over time like that's I think that's like as colloquial as we can get so everyone's like yeah I kind of get that but then you start talking about things like glucose that might be getting a little bit more foreign and like let's take it to the extreme autophagy mitochondria like we start talking about all these things and all of a sudden people they're pushed back in their chairs and they're like whoa like we have to stop. I do not understand what's going on. And so you need this feedback loop of saying like, hey, you ate Wonder Bread. Here was the data. Like, this is what happened. And what that thing is, like, let's just break it down to two concepts. It's like, you eat that Wonder Bread, that piece of Wonder Bread, and it gives you a glucose spike. And then the reason the spike is coming down, provided that everything is functioning well, it comes down because your pancreas has produced insulin and that is helping to like offset or mitigate the glucose spike. And it's like, even these simple concepts are harder to understand. So getting that, like starting with these basic principles, as you said, it's like, how do you make them accessible and meet people where they are? And like, that's the key of all of this. It's the key. You have to meet people where they are and you have to meet them in a place that's not intimidating, that's not overwhelming, um, where they feel the possibility. And you guys are really the tip of the iceberg. I mean, as you know, all these downstream effects of high blood sugar just lead to so many chronic illnesses um, later in life. And so for people to get on board now is so, so important for their, for their future. Yeah, and one of the things is that 
is so important is, which people know, I think in general, is like be physically active. The anecdote of like, we should all be physically active in some way, shape or form. But tennis has been such a big part of your life by the sounds of it. And when you retired, you had part of a journey where you said you sold the big house and you moved to a smaller house. And so that seems like it was started this sort of this starting point with um, levels in the introduction. But why don't we go into that of the way that you thought about what you were going to do when with playing tennis and um, changing the way that you were living. Why don't we go into that journey? Because it's an interesting story. It's it is. And it was called Project Beach House. And it took me two solid years um, to execute on this big spreadsheet plan that I had made because I needed to continue working um, in order to afford the beach house. I had to move out of the big house and rent something smaller and rent my house. It was, there were so many moving pieces, but I was so drawn to the beach and I, and teaching, I loved it. I, I think anybody you talk to will tell you I was a great teacher. But in the teaching profession, when you're done, you need to be done. Um, you can't keep hanging on. If you can't walk in and give your best self every single day, you should get out. And that's where I was. And I wanted to live at the beach. I love tennis. I'd never had a chance to play more than you know, I was always on a team. You practice once a week, but it's like, no, I want to play tennis. I want to get better. I am an ocean lover and Project Beach House just became my my focus. And I did it and it was hard. And we still laugh uh, at dinner parties about what I did and how I did it because it, it was an ambitious plan. Um, but here I am. So Yes, I did it. I moved to the beach. Absolutely love it. We call my house the nest because it is that um, comfortable and sweet and, and just a good feeling. And I joined the tennis club. So I was playing tennis minimum of five days a week, sometimes twice. I was just loving it. And when you you play that often, you get very your game improves so much faster than playing once a week. So I was just loving life, getting settled in. And then, of course, I moved from the Bay Area to the central coast of California. Um, and I couldn't keep driving back and forth four hours to see my doctors. So that is how I, um, why I went in for the physical to establish myself as a new patient. But, but imagine this doctor. I'm walking in uh, in a tennis skirt, right? Ponytail, all sweaty. Um, I'm tall, 5'9", never been overweight, always thin, um, in good shape. And he said it more than once. You're the healthiest person I've seen all day. But my blood work showed something completely different. And, you know, ran all just the normal blood tests and my blood glucose initially was 120. He said, that's got to be a mistake. So he redid that test. It came back at uh, 106 and he said, great. But something just clicked because I've been watching my blood sugar rise steadily 
over like the last five to eight years. You know, it was 85, then it was 90, then it was 95. Now I'm walking in and it's 106. So there's a, there's something happening here. He was not open to checking any further. And because I was the healthiest person he'd seen all day. And he said, no, no worries. Just keep doing what you're doing. In a few years, you'll hit a blood glucose level that's too high and we'll put you on metformin. Life, life doesn't change for you. It's great. And he, he really believed that. And it, it unsettled me. I walked out. I, I knew the trend was not a good one. And I'd had some experience with healing my body before. Um, I'll try to make this story short, but my best friend in Bend, Oregon, which is now where Casey Means lives, mm -hmm. um, her daughter at the age of 19, 12 years ago, was in an ATV accident, paralyzed from the waist down. And so about 10 years ago, she was having um, horrific digestion problems. So I put on my science hat and I went to work on making a diet that I was certain was going to heal her. And after hours and hours of study and I tested recipes and I did the plan myself and come to find out it was basically Whole30. I had never heard of it, but I kind of reinvented the wheel. But in doing that, um, I healed myself. I had migraines gone. Uh, I had a shoulder that they told me. Um, was ready for surgery. This is literally what they said after the MRI, just play tennis until you can't play anymore and then we'll fix it. And you know, in tennis, they make all these gadgets. You can wear something on your arm for your elbow. You can wear a brace on your knee. And all of a sudden, all of my joints started to heal. So mm. these were like huge. That was my first, and you would think as a science teacher, I could have connected the dots a little sooner. But that was the first time I really went, oh, my gosh, there are there are foods that are changing my body. So from that point forward, um, I changed a lot of things. So walking into this doctor's office and having him tell me and, and he really said, you're 64. This is an age related disease. There's nothing you can do because I was trying to pick his brain like, you know, anything that he would be aware of that I could do. And he said, no, but of course I walked out of there and um, <laughs> put my science hat on trying to think about what was happening. And just by chance, Kelly Levesque's Instagram that day, she put on her levels, <laughs> her button with her levels patch. And um, I immediately went and checked out levels saw several people that seemed to be fairly young and in good shape. And I thought, hey, why not 64? Why not 64? If anybody needs to fix their blood glucose, it's me. And you guys, I contacted you and literally, I think I had the CGM on within a week. I mean, it was that, it was that quick. I didn't expect perfection, but I didn't expect an F. And my scores for a long time were in the 50s. And it was eye-opening. So I knew, I knew I had a journey ahead. I, I didn't know exactly how hard it was going to be. 
turned out to be incredibly hard and a little bit scary at times. As I started watching my numbers and realizing what food was doing to me. So, for example, uh, being the healthy eater that I was before I would go to play tennis, I always had a banana with a walnut in every bite. Sounds really healthy, right? I ate that, went to play tennis, and just, uh, you know, scanned the button. My number had jumped to like 230. Incredible with a banana and some walnuts. So I started to notice these trends. I started to you know, the oatmeal story. Everybody knows the oatmeal story. That's just a giant <laughs> spiker. And I was no exception. But things that I thought were healthy, my morning green drink. I mean, my green drink was mostly greens, heavy spiker. Everything was spiking me. Carrots, root vegetables were spiking me. And so I began this journey of really kind of uh, sorting out the foods and what kind of response I got. And I literally had to take myself down to lots of different kinds of greens and sprouts and a really clean protein. That, that was what my body wanted. And so I, I did that. I stayed there and without realizing what was happening, put myself into ketosis. So I, again, didn't know anything about ketones. It's, it's been such a learning trip for me, but I didn't know what was happening, but I felt like I had the flu. So you Google it, you read, you know, oh yeah, the keto flu, you know, your body toxins. So I got the general story and, you know, every, I've read so many books, my gosh, as I look to the right, you know, um, on my bookshelf, you know, David Perlmutter, Sarah Gottfried, Mark Hyman, Dr. Will Cole, uh, Jeffrey Bland, uh, Ben Beekman, you know, they're all, I read everything I could, could get my hands on and started to understand what was happening. But everybody said, you know, about a week. Well, on week four, I, I felt myself getting weaker and I, I felt like something was wrong with my muscles. So I went back to this time, my endocrinologist, and she had no, no idea. Um, so then I went back to the doctor, they took my blood pressure, 90 over 50. They had me on the table, they did an EKG and immediately took me in to have big stress test for my heart. <laughs> Scary. It's like, what, what is happening here? The cardiologist, bless his heart, you know, you have to run on the treadmill. And he said, oh, God, your heart is in great shape. Has anybody told you you need some salt? Nobody had ever mentioned electrolytes. Um, and again, until I go back to these, these books, I swear everybody that's on your board, I've read their, read their books. But so there was this journey this learning about electrolytes, this learning of which one worked best for my body because they're all, they're all different. And then I learned about ketones. My body probably hadn't made a ketone in decades. Um, and that's when things started to change. So what had happened is my body 
went through a detox like no other. I didn't understand detox. So I'm all over all these functional medicine um, sites understanding that my, my liver is detoxing and all of a sudden I'm learning things I can do to help it along. And the cloud starts to lift. And then I was not looking to lose weight or inches, but thank you, Sarah Gottfried, in her book, I read about the hip waist to hip ratio. I had no waist. My waist and my hips were the same. I was thin, but, but you know, there was no delineation. And so my ratio was terrible. And as I detoxed, my blood sugar numbers improved all of a sudden, one inch, two inches, three inches, four inches. I had eight inches to lose around my waist. It's no wonder my body releasing all those poisons from that, that visceral fat was really suffering. That's a very scary part of this process and doing it without any um, help. You know, doctors kind of throwing their hands up and ordering all these wild tests when really I just needed salt, when really I just needed to detox. So I've realized my story, I'm not sure how it, if it's because of my age and I've been insulin resistant for so long, um, or if this is a, a common story, but I know it's a super important story for people that are going to improve their health that need to jump over this fear of what's happening to me because you think, how can this be good? But as the my waistline started to shrink, um, I lost almost 20 pounds, which nobody would have nobody would have thought that. And interestingly enough, um, I just saw my sister and she said, wow, I thought you were going to look a lot thinner. You look exactly the same. It's like, yeah, I look exactly the same, but wow, is my body healthier? So now it's stabilized. And then I, then you get to work on the, the real nitty gritty. What, what's, what's happening? My insulin, when I started, I didn't even, I couldn't get a doctor to test my fasting insulin, which is so crazy. Um, so I found a lab before you guys had your wonderful um, lab test opportunities. I found a lab on my own. I paid for it. I was already in the healing side of this and my insulin, fasting insulin was still over 10. So insulin resistance to the hilt, I'm just a classic case. And today um, my fasting insulin is 2.4. Beautiful. Um, Good for you. Yeah, it's great. All my inflammation markers that were high, no surprise with, with all of that kind of damaging uh, white fat sitting right around the middle, that, that middle um, area where so many of us carry the extra fat is, is really dangerous. Um, but yes, all my inflammation markers are down. What's really interesting too is I don't have a thyroid. So I had my thyroid removed uh, in my 30s, um, which is another whole story. But I struggle with, um, you know, I have to take um, Synthroid every day, a synthetic thyroid hormone. But during this whole process, my, I could, I 
dealt with this for a long time. So I could tell my thyroid numbers were off. So I called my endocrinologist. She sent in for a test. Levels undetectable. What? That's what we call hyperthyroid. So hyperthyroid, it's a little bit scary. And I said to her, I've detoxed my body. I fixed my blood sugar. I'm, I'm feeling so healthy. I think my cells are able to use the medicine I'm taking in a much more efficient manner. She said, impossible. You must have thyroid cancer. So here we go down the scary rabbit hole of testing for all these antibodies that would indicate um, thyroid cancer, which is really scary. And labs today don't move quickly like the levels lab. Oh my gosh, you do it through you guys and less than a week later, everything's there on the app. But I had to sit through, you know, the endocrinologist ordering it and, you know, waiting weeks. And then she said, that's it. The number of times she said that's impossible is, is disturbing. She refused to believe that by, and she's an endocrinologist, that by fixing your blood sugar, you might improve something like, um, you know, how your cells take up this, this thyroid medicine. But she's come around because they've had to adjust it down twice. I'm on a third of what I used to take. So this is, this is the important story of levels is it's, it's not just blood sugar. It, it um, weaves into so many different parts of, of your life in such a good way. And I've gotten, um, I'm getting very proficient at helping people at the tennis club, of course, all these ladies in tennis skirts and tight tank tops are going, what happened to that belly roll? You know, they all, they all have it. And so they're, they're interested and in struggling to find a way to, you know, tell them quickly in just a passing by kind of conversation. It's like, well, my, and I don't even know where I heard this or read it, but it's like your body is like a, um, an oven and my self cleaning button was broken. Like my cells were so crusty, they couldn't work properly. You know, insulin couldn't get in. Um, you know, your mitochondria are just a mess. Um, but anyway, this idea of your self cleaning oven body and the self-cleaning oven is broken, your cells are crusty, they don't work as well, and they store the fat. Every time I tell it, you, I can see the people resonate. It's like, oh. And again, it's taking a hard concept, putting it into really simple terms to kind of tweak their interest, and then they all come back. They want to talk about it a little bit more, which is so funny because this is exactly what I did for 20 years with 12-year-olds, right? Introduce a concept, tweak their interest so that they come back wanting more. That's the key to, to teaching science. That's the key to having students want to learn science and get excited. Um, and now I'm doing the same thing. It's an extension of your your career and the path that you you took for so many years to get to. It's very full circle getting back to this point of 
making things really simple and making them accessible so that people can digest them, no pun intended, but digest them and like really internalize it and say like, what does this mean for me? What, how can I start to think about it? Well, one of the questions that I'm curious about is this idea of the way that you felt both physically, like physically, we've talked about it a little bit, but going back to the journey of you put on a sensor, not really sure what to to expect. And you see that, as you said, you were getting scores in the fifties, which anecdotally you're calling the F, right? You go, wow. Like I had no idea, but like, what did, what did that feel like as far as, was it encouraging that you could do something to change it or had to do something? Or was it a little bit deflating because of having the mental model of like, I play tennis five days a week. I eat healthy. Like you think all of these things and you're like, how could, I don't know what to do anymore. Like what, what did you feel like when that, when you sort of saw that data for the first time, was it one of those empowering things where you're like, I'm going to fix this? Or was it a little bit deflating? Like where, what do I do? Where do I start? Yeah, it was a little bit scary and it took me a while to realize my ego was all tied up in this, you know, project mm -hmm. beach house successful. I'm in shape. I'm playing tennis, living, you know, I'm walking the beach every day. And I realized I was too caught up in that image that is so unimportant. And I had this data in front of me, which is the beauty of levels. You know, it's not a, I think this, or I think that it's not someone subjectively telling you what might be good for you. It's, it's just good, hard data. So, so once I got out of my own way, when I realized, mm. you know, great, you reveled in project beach house for a little while, put it away. You've got work, you've got work to do. And I think um, I'm so interested in the human body and how it works and the resiliency of what you can do with it. I, I never thought I can't do this, even though I had that doctor's voice in my head saying you're 64. And trust me, once you turn 60, that starts to mess with you. It's like, hey, wait a minute, maybe I am old. And you have to step back and say, no, this is, this is something I can deal with, um, something I can tackle. Um, you know, Project Beach House became Project Blood Sugar. <laughs> and, um, and I took it on like that as a learning experience. I'm a voracious reader. It's one of those things you learn a little bit and you realize how much more you have to learn. And I'm so grateful for uh, you guys and um, all the podcasts, you know, a lot of these great functional medicine doctors getting on board. So I found support in places because I'm a learner. I have a science brain. I, I have a way of tuning into that. But I realize many people don't. And it's equally as important for them to figure out how to do this. So then my real self started to get involved here. And um, I've always had this innate pull to help, to help people. 
Um, it's why I was a teacher. It's why I was a great, I think I was a great teacher. I think most people would tell you that because I really felt the, um, the pull to shape these, these little minds around, around these science concepts. But, um, yeah, so I, I took it on as a student. I became a student of my own body and I really did have to separate out the fear and deal with that and realize my, my life is coming together full circle. I taught, I learned how to, um, understand and relate these concepts. I've always been a writer. Um, and now my writing is just hitting the mark for so many people. And I think that's, I mean, it took 64 years to get here, but I'm feeling like this message that really you guys have just brought it to the forefront and you're bringing it to the forefront in a way that's accessible. You're not saying put the button on, this is how it'll go for you. You're, you're really just putting the data out there and your app is putting it out there in such a way that it's understandable. So you're kind of doing the same thing I'm doing with my speaking and my writing. You're doing it through your app and, and how you explain to people what's happening in their body and how you help them be accountable. Uh, trust me, if there's a cinnamon roll in front of me, which I love them, uh, I know exactly what's going to happen if I eat that. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's not a, a wonder if anymore. You learn about mm -hmm. your body. You learn about your body. Mm -hmm. And one of the best things, and see this, I didn't know either. So it was really scary in the beginning because I thought, wow, my life has been reduced to greens and clean protein. That is just boring because I love to eat. <laughs> I like to drink wine. And I thought this is, this is um, my life. And I was working with trying to accept that. And then I thought, no, wait a minute. If I'm really uncrusting my cells and I have proof that I'm healing via all these uh, test markers, I, I'm going out on a limb. So I, you know, I added in several fruits. I added back the root vegetables and I did them carefully because some seemingly very healthy foods still spike me. I love sweet potatoes, but I have to eat it with the knowledge of what's going to happen. And, and yet you learn if you love that, well, you don't need to eat the whole sweet potato, maybe a quarter. But all of a sudden, it's like the, the world just got a little bit brighter because I had this mm -hmm. revelation that you really can heal your body. You're not mm -hmm. stuck eating it for months. I thought that's it, mm -hmm. you know, greens and, and um, I'm not much of a meat eater, but, you know, I live on the coast. So whatever got caught that day is what I like to have. And, um, you know, I thought, oh, wine gone, but it's not, it's not true. And then I learned from levels. It's like, wow, I bet I can drink wine. I'm going to have my protein first. I'm going to have a lot of leafy greens, stick away, stay away from the root vegetables this meal. I'm going to have two glasses of my favorite wine. Voila. I mean, you start to have these success stories. And um, yeah, I watched my numbers go from the 50s 
I celebrated the 60s. The first day I hit 60 was like, hallelujah, I got a D. Um, and then, you know, 70s, 80s, 90s, I can literally keep myself in the 90s if if I'm super strict. But, you know, my son just got married. The wedding was a destination week-long wedding. And um, you just realize a 70, a 70 is okay. And that's part of this process too, is that you have all this data, but you're not locked into anything. And I can have mm-hmm. a day of a metabolic score in the 70s and still feel great. It's not mm-hmm. where I want to stay because I know long-term um, I don't want to stay there. But boy, a week in the Maldives and staying in the 70s, totally totally good with that. So it's this, it's this kind of give and take of learning, learning your own body. And the results are just incredible when Mm -hmm. all of a sudden your energy level uh, is up. Oh my gosh, what it did for my sleep is just phenomenal. And for me, I always said I was not a flexible person. The reason I wasn't flexible is because I had this eight inches around my waist, really hard to do a a great twist, um, you know, with that many extra inches. So all these little gains that you, that you get and, you know, levels, you know, sometimes you get lazy. I don't want to log in my food. I don't want to log in my exercise. Although boy, what I learned about exercise too, I was playing tennis twice a day. My button said no. Loved once a day. I could play tennis once a day. My blood glucose was stable. If I played twice, it went up 30, 40 points and I couldn't get it down. And I thought, can that be possible? Because isn't more exercise better? You know, it just didn't make sense. Which that's the other thing. You guys are giving us such hard data and you have to come head to head with some of these um, really outdated beliefs you have around your health that that you've learned, um, you know, growing up that you just, and that for me was one of them. If a little exercise is good, a lot must be better. And yet my blood sugar is telling me something completely different. And so I did the unthinkable. I started to, and it became a joke at the health club because it's like, oh, are you done at 11? Do you want to play with us at 1230? And it's like, I can't, I can only play once a day. And it would be this big laugh. And, you know, I would just point to the button. But for me, that is absolutely true. That sort of high intensity exercise, my body likes it once, not twice. And, and so I'm this big N of one experiment. I just, I just have notebooks full of what I've learned about myself, but that's still true today. Um, I can play tennis once, but if I play tennis twice, I'm going to, I'm going to um, pay for it blood sugar wise, because, uh, you know, I think it starts to pull from my muscles, which is why it raises, but, and I have lots of, um, which that's just who I am. I see the problem. I come up with all these hypotheses about why it might be happening. And then one by one, I start to 
test them. But for now, that's true. Very much the Sarah Gottfried approach, the N of one and yeah. constant experimentation to really understand like what is happening because we are so individual in everything. All, all of these, like we'll call them uh, qualitative data points as far as data point being like, I eat this thing, qualitative data point, I um, do this type of exercise, all these qualitative things come in and then you get some quant data back to say, here are the implications of doing that. But it's the important thing is, which we constantly reinforce this point is like, you touched on too, the not ever approaching things with the lens of deprivation, which is great to hear that you found that balance too. It's more understanding the implications, right? Because deprivation, and I think that's one of the challenges with, we'll call it like capital M marketing, as far as media goes, like the, the way that everyone is now a media company. We're in, we've got 8 billion individual media companies on this earth and everybody has a megaphone and we can say whatever we want. And so you start to hear these anecdotes where people, and I'm generalizing, but people will speak in absolutes, only do this, never do that. And you start to, it gets very confusing because you hear information that is opposed where it's like, let's, use something like strawberries. Um, never touch a strawberry. And then other people are like, oh, they're relatively fine to eat, right? And you go, or blueberries, right? You get polyphenols and you're like these, somebody says like, don't ever eat these. Somebody says only eat these. I'm sitting here looking at data in the middle and you get lost in this noise. And so figuring out what works for you, but more so eating whole foods, like that is a starting point. More so understanding like if you want to eat that cinnamon roll, eat it and just understand the implications like but don't keep doing it as this daily thing because that's where we get down these paths of poor metabolic health or poor long-term health because of consuming the wrong things going to bed like don't go to don't sleep three hours a night consistently for 20 years like that's just objectively unhealthy but find what works for you and like if you had one night where you slept three hours like we don't have to beat ourselves up for it. Things happen. Your son gets married in the Maldives. Like you had a late night and it was fun. It's life, right? It's just the understanding, like what are my personal levers? Like what do we all have? What levers do we have? And how do we push and pull them to have a balanced life so that you can have project beach house and daily tennis and all the things and eating well, whether it's fish and greens or whatever you choose to do. But just understanding that finding that balance and using data to reinforce like hey, I'm on the right path and I can do check-ins when I want, whether it's through CGM or whether it's through blood tests or different biomarkers. Like that's the important way of getting people to understand these things. But the first thing is getting back to the women that you play tennis with where they're asking like these basic questions. They're like, wait, whatever you did, just like prescribe me that thing. And you're like, well, it's not quite that simple, but I'll help you on the journey, right? So it's, it's incredible that you're sharing that story with so many people because it's it's helpful for for anybody who makes changes based on it. Anyone whom that story resonates with will go tell one other person and they'll yes. go tell one other person, right? So that's the important thing of all the work that everybody is very much part of this integrated community and spreading this the mission and the education that that we're set out to do. Yeah, so exciting. You're really not stuck listening to any one person or any one diet plan. Um, 
it's it's the end of one and you guys are allowing that and you know the reason it's going to be so successful uh, take any diet plan people try it they lose some weight they lose interest they gain all the weight back but with levels you're truly fixing things and the positive changes in your life with your sleep um with your mood with your because your blood sugar it's just a cat it sets off a cascade of all these other hormones but you start to get the vitality back it's it's not about the weight it's not about the inches around your waist it's about your truly your zest for life and i sit here in my adorable project beach house in tennis um and i'm going to go back to work it's like i'm going to take what i don't know what it is yet but i really am inspired by this i have energy i've never had before and i really i'm going to make a stab at one last one last career that's the beauty of levels is you guys are tip of the iceberg and as people start to see this data start to implement changes based on what they see it's not just blood sugar they're improving it's the quality the quality of their of their lives going forward that's that's the hook you you just can't deny that oh my gosh i feel great feeling which is how i felt when i made the video for you guys the first time people really do become forever fans because you didn't just tell me my blood sugar was in the tank uh you gave me a way to improve my my life and that's the bigger story it's so incredible to hear that though because it's not to be cliche about it but you hear like age is just a number and it like what ends up happening is that when you wake up at 64 and you feel great in the morning because of knowing what time to stop eating knowing what you ate the night before knowing what you ate the day before the day before that and it keeps going on but having this energy so that during the middle of the day you're not getting the typical head nod at the keyboard because you ate the wrong thing for lunch and it's not understanding what that feeling is like without going into hypoglycemia but the the idea of feeling balanced like feeling great as far as balanced energy and just good like you feel objectively you just feel better when inflammation's lower you can't see that inside your body but like you feel better over time and so being 64 you can feel inherently better than a 27 year old who eats doritos at 1 a.m and skittles and and is drinking coke and like soda right. sugary drinks right like doing all of these things night after night and getting poor sleep and again that's like very far off as far as like very different but what are the implications of doing that it's that you wake up in the morning and you don't feel super great like physically you don't feel great and mentally you start not feeling great either because physically you don't feel great and you might be a little bit sluggish because you had a poor night of sleep and there are all these downstream implications to these lifestyle choices and habits and so when you start to have more balance and more cohesion as far as like 
all of the integrated lifestyle habits, whether they're through nutrition or whether they're through physical activity or sleep, all of these different things that come together to make up health and wellness, you can wake up at 64 and go, yeah, I've got like at least one more in me. I'm going to swing the bat. Like, why not? This would be absurd not to do it because you feel so good. But the motivation changes. All of these things change and you're like, wait a minute. This is what it was for so many years was like, this is what it took just to sort of feel good. And so it's the way that that everyone can navigate the world differently. And I don't mean to sound too philosophical about it, but the way that we can all navigate the world differently by feeling physically and mentally better, it really changes the trajectory for like what we want to do or the way that we think about ourselves as being a being one of 8 billion like <laughs> on this planet and what we want to do with that as far as like our autonomy to take charge and take things into our hands to say like, I'm in control. I'm in control here and I can control these things. And so the way that you project that energy out to the world is very important. It's it's very important. And and really um, levels leads leads into so many things. But once you start to feel good, um, your brain is clear. Your body is able to do so many things in a day. All of a sudden, you're not dealing with, oh, I have a migraine. Oh, I have a headache. Oh, my knee hurts. All of a sudden, you have space to say, what am I really supposed to be doing in the world? Um, where am I Where am I drawn? How can I help the most people by doing something that totally excites me. And that's where I am right now. It's like you get space back in your life, a very healthy mind body space. And to not get too philosophical, but you really need that in order to see your next step. Where are you going? What are you going to do? And for me, it's very profound at 64. Um, a time that I really thought I was uh, hanging up the uh, work keys and picking up a tennis racket every day that I'm excited to do one more thing. It's, it's pretty incredible.